We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report. With Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in Max's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. to another edition of the Rock Pile Report Podcast. I'm your host, Bill, season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's our producer, Chris Kruger. And we are talking NFL Draft for Dummies 2023. Linebackers is the prize, kind of the, the position of the night. And here to talk to us about it, EJ Snyder of Bootleg Football. EJ, how you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm excited. This is a position I like. I... I like you guys, so this is going to go well. <laughs> guys, I like it how you uh, kind of mess that up. I believe it is EJ, buddy. How you doing? What are you drinking? Yeah, <laughs> no, you can't. You can't be duplicative. I, I at some point I'm going to have to open our podcast, and I'm not going to do it the same way because people are going to be like, "That's not as good as when Brett does it." Because <laughs> <laughs> you know those people exist on the internet, which is why I don't. They read, do. Which is I've, why I don't read comments. Or I reviews. have had to open the show before. When Drew has lost his voice, whether it is oh, from yeah. sickness or from a game, yeah, and, and yeah. I'll tell you what, people are very snarky about it. Pe- people don't, people don't get Chris's I, I would due. Not, I would not be brave enough to try and duplicate that, Drew. I just got to say that. So, those of you who live under a rock, co-host of the Bootleg Football Podcast, a fellow bourbon appreciator, Bears fan and content creator, Bears over beers, he's got all kinds of. All kinds of accolades. We just the time he puts in with scouting, with football coverage in general. It's you work incredibly hard at this. I feel like the draft coverage is probably right up there with your drinking coverage. 
Like you, you do some things. <laughs> I think I think draft coverage has surpassed drinking coverage because it takes more time. So there's more time for draft and less time for drinking. But I did bring a beer on, so I will be imbibing with you guys because it's one of my favorite things, and it's a founding principle of bootleg. Like we founded bootleg on let's have a beer and talk about football, and you guys are right with that. You are here <laughs> for that, so um, I'm I'm among our people. Let me ask you this: What kind of a what do you think that this glass I'm holding in my hand is called? Do you know the name of it? The glass itself? Yeah. Uh, no. Uh-uh. Okay, okay, good. Not a glass right. See, EJ, I like you. I walked <laughs> in and I go, Chris, you're drinking a cocktail out of a wine glass. And he goes, no, that's a cocktail glass. It's called a Nick and Nora, and here's why you use it. And I told him, I go, Ooh. I've never been angrier at you. Like, I have to go back. Like, I told him if I walked into a cheesecake factory and I saw him drinking bourbon out of this thing, it's a long... So for those of you listening to the audio, not watching it on YouTube, where we now upload all of our podcasts in video format, uh, if you were behind me at the bar at the Cheesecake Factory drinking bourbon out of this, I would tell the bar manager you sexually harassed me just to have you thrown out because I can't enjoy myself while this is happening in the room with me. <laughs> well, I'm more... I'm more living that live. I would just generally say, A, that's a lot of bourbon, and B, good on you. Have a good night. So, Chris, as is tradition, let me give it a sniff. It's All right, so I, I can smell some kind of bitters. There's definitely bitters in here, correct? There are no bitters in the way of a, okay. like your Angostura bitters. Okay. Or your Regan's orange bitters. Okay. But there is a bitter component to it. Okay. Is this a homemade cocktail or something you got out of a book? Out of a book. Okay. It is in the spirit forward section of the book. Okay. You can definitely taste the liquor in that, but there is a hint of something. It's like slightly, it's not even fruity. It just takes the, there's no bite on the back end of that. It's almost like a Manhattan, except. Wait, did you make a Manhattan? I did not make a Manhattan, but it is from the family of Manhattans. All right, what is this? It is called Little Italy. It is two ounces of rye. I used the uh, Noble Double Oak rye, and then three quarters of an ounce of sweet vermouth, and a half ounce of chinar, an artichoke bitter liqueur from Italy. And the cocktail's called Little Italy. So I'm drinking an artichoke, is what I'm hearing. Yes. What the hell are you going to do with the rest of a bottle of artichoke? (laughs) These are the questions, EJ, that I have for him every week. What are you going to do with that? I can tell you, if you and Brett come out east again next year, I will have uh, cocktails made for the both of you if you're going to record in this studio again. Uh, I will okay. make sure. We, I don't think we'd like to break tradition. That that seems like a terrible idea. Uh, we wouldn't we wouldn't want to anger the host. So no, we're definitely going to make it back out for a game. I don't know. I would imagine it'll be next season. It might be might be after that. But if we do, we're not coming to town without seeing you. We couldn't do that. That would be that would just be absolute sin. So so. The last piece that we hit on there when we were doing your intro is where I want to start. Your expertise is a Bears fan because uh, is honestly, this- none of this linebacker conversation would be necessary if it wasn't your team's fucking fault for <laughs> signing away Tremaine Edmonds <laughs> to a contract that Buffalo refused to even discuss with him or his agent after trading. What's yeah, after trading for Roquan Smith? Like, yeah, what, what are you guys at here? <laughs> 
Well, if you look at the balance sheet of that transaction, they got Edmonds for less than Smith was asking for and less than Smith really signed with the Ravens for. So they basically went from Rokron Smith to Trey Edmonds for less money overall over the life of the deal. And that was Pohl's focus. He got a little bit a little bit younger, not not terribly younger. It's not like Rokron Smith was an aging player, but you know, Trey Smith um Famously, one of the youngest players drafted in in recent history. Um, and, you know, you guys did all the heavy lifting. You guys <laughs> knocked off all the rough edges, all the reasons I didn't like him in the draft. Uh, I liked his potential, but he had to land in the right spot. And he did. He landed in Buffalo. Um, you made him into a tremendous playmaker. He really came into his own in his third season. And ta-da, uh, I was actually surprised by the move more so because I didn't expect that to be the area of focus when Chicago has all this money in free agency, famously the most funny money, money, <laughs> most money in free agency uh, this year. And they start with a huge splash at linebacker. I would say arguably one of the biggest splashes in free agency period. It's a little bit surprising to me. And then I went back to their coach's history and, you know, Matty Flues in Indianapolis was a linebacker-centric defense. They invested heavily in the defensive line in front of them, uh, famously made some trades for some talent, and then they drafted and developed linebackers, and linebackers were a key piece of that defense, even more so than the secondary. Well, they drafted secondary last year. Come this year in free agency, they invest, and they get arguably the top free agent linebacker on the market. So I was like, oh, I guess it makes a little bit more sense now that I think about it. And – Poles has been focusing on young. He is not about one-year contracts for aging stars. Just to, He knows that's not where the team's at. It's going to be a year or two until the window truly opens. So he wants people that will be there and presumably still be in good health when that happens. You know what you could have done was just drafted Tremaine Edmonds and kept him. <laughs> Although, if you think about the regime that was in charge when Edmonds was drafted, the likelihood that we would have polished off the rough edges as well as you all did is extremely low. Great. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, it, I we will love it. Thank you very much. I will say one of my favorite things was being here in the studio with you and Brett when like I was literally getting ready to leave, and all of a sudden I'm walking up the stairs, and ESPN flashes across my phone, Talking about the Smith trade, and I was like, I have to come back downstairs and see his reaction in real time. You know what? I could, I, I, that's my fault as, cause, uh, you know, to kind of break down the fourth wall when Brett and EJ did that show from the studio, they just recorded their video and I recorded the audio. So I was like half pro producer on that episode and I, it hurts me that I didn't think of that. To while they're recording, I'm over here at the desk, just floating around Shefty's Twitter or Rappaport's Twitter, and that could have made the show because we didn't know about that until after we stopped the record button. It would have been cool to see live, but it was fun just to watch your face. Where you were like, "Wait, what? Wait, what? What happened?" And yeah, yeah. in the moment, it made a little bit less sense, but. You know, even very quickly after that, within, say, 24 hours, it became apparent that I was okay with that transaction because both sides basically said, well, I'm worth this. And the other side said, well, we think you're worth this. And it was, you can call it a gentleman's disagreement. They basically said, we're not going to pay you that <laughs> because we don't think so. And he said, I think I can get it elsewhere. And they said, okay. Good. Wonderful. Like, fine. And he did. 
Like he went and got that, but they said, we're not willing to pay that. Just like you just said, Buffalo wasn't even willing to discuss the contract with Edmonds. So it's a sort of trickle down effect that ends up in Chicago's favor here. They get a very productive and I would say still ascending player for less than their very productive and uh, probably topped out player in Roquan Smith, who had a very high ceiling, but was right near it. I don't think he's going to be increasing his skill level a lot in Baltimore, maybe his tackle totals, but it all sort of works out. And it brings us to the show today, which is y'all have a hole now. A hole. And here's who's on the roster as of today to fill it. Let me give, let me run down the usual suspects. Uh, Terrell Bernard. 2021 third round pick, one start, projects as a will linebacker, more as a middle linebacker. Uh, Terrell Dodson, 2020 UDFA, five starts, primarily special teams player. Tyler Matakevich, zero starts at linebacker, despite both Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds missing games over the last two seasons. And Balin mm-hmm. Spector, 2021 seventh round pick, Active mm-hmm. for six games, saw just 12 snaps on defense at all mm-hmm. in that last year. Now, if you're looking to field a great special teams unit, awesome. You did a great job building this linebacker room. If you actually give a shit about what happens, the other, I don't know, what, like 60 snaps in a game? I, I don't know. I, I just feel like behind Matt Milano... The room is pretty bereft of starting upside. And yet, if you believe what our GM told us just a few weeks ago. I mean, sometimes your your answer is on your roster. And so we think, you know, Tyrell, you know, getting Dotson back on, on a one-year, you know, him. Obviously, we had the two draft picks last year and Bernard and Spectre. They're, they've been in our program a year. They're going to be a lot more prepared for the pro game and, and our defensive system going in. So, you know, it's it's a competition, and we'll continue to look whether that's cap casualties, free agencies. Um, if there's a player in the draft, um, it'll be competition. We're not going to, you know, state now or probably next month or in two months this person's the starter. They're all going to get a chance to compete, and best man wins. Brandon Bean, BuffaloBills.com. So, so first of all, EJ, if we can crack a beer together over that, because it's... Uh, yeah, I already cracked mine. I needed to be prepared for that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I have a, a Fremont Lush, uh, which is local. Right. Uh, Fremont Brewing right up in Seattle. Um, Lush because of the uh, fresh hops. Uh, beautiful beer. Great spring and summer beer. Very easy drinking. Um, so- and... So you hear us. Yeah. So that's a lot to tell. Like, I literally, like, I'm two-fisting now. Because I, I hear yeah, that audio and I go, holy shit. Like, I, well, Chris, let's think back a little bit. Here's what I, here, here's what I keep going back to. I go back okay. and I think to myself, there's a clip out there of Will Ferrell. Chris actually has it as a drop. But there's just Will Ferrell yelling, Hey, Brandon, how dumb do you think I am? Like, that's how I feel in the moment hearing that statement. Because what I just heard you say, not about, hey, we don't know who the starter's going to be yet. Like that, like, that comes across as dodgeball. Wait, Chris, you want to hit me with it? Hey, Brandon! How dumb do you think I am? I, first of all, 
we don't know who our starting linebacker is going to be, but it'll be one of these guys. Comes across like the movie Dodgeball. We don't. They're playing the girls' Girl Scout team, and they go, "Your best player is a pirate." We don't even know who our best player is. All right, <laughs> that's that. It comes across that way. Then you invoke the you invoke the name Balin Specter, a seventh round draft pick who has not seen NFL action. You invoke that name when talking about who might st- he's in the mix. That sounds like you're either. Well, it's true. I mean, if you're sure. talking about an sure. absolutely objective look at it, it's true. And this he's is what I love about field. Brandon Bean. He says the things and he's very honest and he goes, these are the guys that are in the mix. He just doesn't add the today caveat that probably needs to be because he's not an idiot. But it's frustrating to hear him, like to watch him go out there with a straight face and say these things and not expect me to get real drunk and laugh about it. Yeah, well, there is that reaction, but let's let's wind up the Wayback Machine a little bit. This is a GM who famously said that, you know, a former starting quarterback in Chicago uh, after a little bit of time in your fair city was, you know, the world's best. And, you know, if he had to have somebody marry his daughter, it would probably be risky, right? Oh, Jesus. Like, that was the world's greatest sales job to get a pick out of someone else, right? To get Pittsburgh to bite and say, oh, no, we shined him up with our offensive coordinator, <laughs> who's now the head coach in New York, and you you need him, this this guy. Talent, and now he has the Dable haze around him. You should make him your starter, right? And somebody bit, and that's fine, but that's his job. That's his approach as a GM. On the backside, he, you know, Brandon Bean's kind of like a duck. On top, calm, cool, collected, and he's saying all the the press sound bites that go for the press that are not going to, you know, ruffle anybody's feathers about. Hey, we've got guys on the roster, and we're going to let them all compete. That's a very sort of down the fairway, two hundred yards, right in the middle. Nobody's going to get upset with comment underneath. He's paddling like hell. If he is not absolutely <laughs> leaning on the scouting department and going, look. We need a linebacker probably to get me a bunch of candidates. I don't care where you find them, but we are not going into war, you know, this fall with just this. And you also have to think about the timing of that statement. Now, to be fair, he timed that statement. It was when he was talking about his recent free agent signings. He's not stupid. He knows that everybody's clamoring for, hey, you just lost Tremaine Edmonds. What are you going to do? There's all these high-priced free agents on the market. Where are you in chasing these down? And his reaction is kind of easy. We're good. I'm not. I don't need anything (laughs) because it doesn't serve him to open to tip his hand and say, well, we're going to go to the draft because now you've just done yourself a disservice for any other linebacker-hungry team. So instead, you say all the right things, but there's no way anyone believes that Balin Specter is in the mix to be a starting linebacker on this team. That's where it became laughable for me. So with that, I want to talk about the linebacker position in this upcoming draft, because if they're going to make a move, it was going to be here because of their cap constraints. I want to start with just your idea of the makeup of the class, because I've heard it said that some of these guys like don't the barely greatest first like there will be guys taken in the first round but in terms of grading there's probably only one or two who deserve to be there do you think it's a top heavy class or do you think there's talent evenly distributed just how do you what what is the makeup of this thing to you 
Yeah, I think it's got good depth, but there aren't shining stars at the top. There are one or two guys, depending on who you talk to, that might be graded as first-rounders, and it would be back into the first-rounders. These are not guys that are going to fly off the board in the top 10, 15 picks. That's, that is not this class. This is, there aren't any Roquan Smiths in this class. We had some last year that, you know, there was, you know, talk and they eventually went first round. That's fine. This is not that class, but it is not a bad class either. It is not bereft of talent. There are a bunch of interesting players in this draft at this position. It is less talked about because it is not as deep as edge, running back, cornerback, or tight end because those position groups are are crazy loaded. You're going to be able to find stuff in the third, fourth, fifth round that might legitimately start for your team depending on the position. Inside linebacker, again, doesn't have that star power at the top, but that doesn't mean there aren't guys who can play here. And that works really well into Buffalo's draft strategy because, look, nobody was banging down Matt Milano's door in the year that he was chosen. No. Well, and that's one of the things that I thought about when I I tried to do my own, again, Chris, there's a reason EJ's here talking to us tonight. We tried the whole bit of (laughs) Drew's going to talk to people about the NFL draft. And after years of falling on my face, I realized, you know what would be more fun is if I just drink and have conversations with people a lot smarter than me. Um, EJ, let me, uh, <laughs> we'll just hit you with, I think all it needs is, is two things. It's specific to this class is why we do this run of NFL draft for dummies. Number one. Reggie Ragland gonna be a dog. I thought Reggie Ragland was the th- number, was the answer. Number two was why did we draft Trey White and not Reuben Foster? That's it. Reuben Foster. That's why Trey Foster. Yes, that's indeed. why EJ's here. I, so this well, is a- EJ's only fifty percent better than Drew in that category because I was a. I was a Trey White defender. Trey White was my dog in that draft. I loved him as a player, and I famously called my uncle after they drafted. I said, man, you're going to love this guy. And he was like, eh. And I was like, no, no, you're going to love Trey White. He's an outstanding player. I thought Reggie Ragland was going to be good, too. Not great, but I thought Reggie Ragland was going to be good. He he had a solid ranking for me. He's a guy that it didn't work out for in the pros, but coming out in terms of watching his film, I thought it was good. Well, so, and it's funny that you mentioned Reggie Ragland because this is the thing that when I'm doing my own rudimentary overview of the draft before we do these shows, because I don't want to be a complete asshole and know nothing, I look at this stuff, and what I see is that there's huge chunks of this linebacker class that hail from schools and conferences that aren't exactly known for physical defense. There's not a lot of Reggie Ragland types anymore. Instead, it's schools that hail from conferences with these wide-open run-and-shoot offenses, which in turn lends itself on the defensive side of the ball to needing coverage players, more so than down near the line of scrimmage, physical run stuffers. I mean, Chris, there are four SEC linebackers and two Big Ten in the top 20. That's six out of 20. There are a shitload out of the Big 12 and the Pac-12 where running gun is the name. West Coast offense is the name of the game. Like air raid offense is what you're doing out here. So you can't. Sur- a Reggie Ragland never would have survived in today's no. Big 12. You wouldn't have been a starter. 
And that's where a lot of these guys at the top of the linebacker draft board this year are hailing from. And I find that really interesting when it comes to just like what it means for not just the direction of the game, because really the pro game will go where the talent takes it. That's that's been proven time and time again. But also it does speak to what's working. It's just this works and the NFL will copy that. <laughs> it, they will adapt. There was years where there was terrible tight end play. And I argue it still hasn't acclimated back to where it used to be. You used to be able to draft tight ends in the first, second round, and you knew those guys were just going to they'd, – they'd churn productivity, whether it was A-plus blockers, they were going to be good pass catchers. Well, define good pass catcher now. Now, 500, 600 yards, you're mediocre. Like You're Hayden Hurst signing a $6 million deal in free agency because that's not – that's, that's okay, but it's small potatoes. Linebacker is becoming that way. I feel like if you're not a coverage guy, coverage first, the run is secondary because the NFL has become a passing league. And so in that way, if you were a team like the Buffalo Bills going, listen, we're never going to replace Tremaine Edmonds. But if we needed to replace any facet of his game most, it's probably, given the Taylor Rapp signing, who's more of an in-the-box safety, big, you know, mm-hmm. he's a small linebacker, like you were talking about, like safeties who just, realistically, he should have been like Mark Barron. Uh, maybe. Maybe, but I'm just talking about, like, in terms of his his skill set and the way he's played in the pros so far, he's been more uh-huh. effective in the box than trying to trust him yep. as a deep safety. The fact that we signed him kind of tipped their hand as far as like, okay, we well now when we want to go into dime situations and we want a big dime that we think can still defend the run a little bit. But what do we do in this nickel that we've run 90% of the time for the last three seasons? You're going to need a coverage backer. And that takes yeah. precedent over whatever they do against the run. Who are some of your favorite pass defenders out of the linebacking group this year? Yeah, and really looking at replacing the lost snaps from Edmonds. Yes. When I'm looking at what Buffalo needs, it's an athletic backer with some size, right? You got Milano, who is, I think we all know what Matt Milano is good at, and he's really good at it. But what Edmonds brought as a sort of counterpoint, as a balance to that room, is an athletic backer with some size who can run the alley forward and back. And there are options for that in this draft. There's not a ton of them. But two of the guys that we talked about that have borderline first-round grades are those guys, and it is because they have that size and the athleticism to run with the pass. And the first one's Drew Sanders from Arkansas, more known as a going-forward guy because he was at Al. What's that? The roll tide. Roll tide. I beat that's you right. Me. Well, I say the tide misused him, but that's yes. where most people got to understand who Drew Sanders was. Is he was an edge at Alabama, and not very successful. So he transferred to Arkansas, found a home at middle linebacker, and absolutely exploded. He is 6'4", 235, then run like the wind, and he makes plays all over the place. He makes plays against the pass. His passing grade is very solid in this class of linebackers. He is a rush threat from the middle, which is what we would call blitzing more than rushing. You can rush him off the edge in sort of NASCAR packages because he has a length and athleticism to win there as well, plus all that experience from Alabama. He is a really interesting sort of multi-tool player that is as close physically as 
anybody uh, is to Edmonds in this draft. Now, is he Edmonds? No, nobody's Edmonds. That's a very rare athletic profile. But Sanders is as close as you're going to get. He is, you know, I think he's sort of tickling the end of the back of the first round, depending on value, which, strangely enough, is where you guys are picking. Um, But more likely is probably going to end up in the second round. And the other guy is Jack Campbell from Iowa. And you talk about, oh, wait a minute, wide open offense. Look, this guy plays in the Big Ten, and he played on the best defense in the country, the best college defense in the country. And he is 6'4", 249. And he is a pure middle linebacker. He is not some rush guy that they drop occasionally. He is a pure middle linebacker at that size and has one of the best pass grades, pass coverage grades in this entire linebacking class, if not the best, which is odd. But if you're looking for that skill set and a ton of football intelligence, it's always in the right place. He's a surprise. I don't even want to say surprisingly good athlete because Iowa turns out great athletes like Penn State turns out great athletes. Um, he is yeah, a very yeah. good athlete yeah, you know at who, that you size. Know, you know who knows about that? Bills fans. Uh, Aaron <laughs> Mabin, he was great. He was, a, he was a real treat. Well, there's lots of athletes, not all <laughs> football players. Jack Campbell is both. And either one of those guys would be my sort of go-to. You're going to have to spend that pick at the end of the first round to probably get either one of them. I doubt they're going to fall to the end of the second round. Um, but they would be the sort of most – shoehorn replacement for oh we lost Edmonds we're trying to replace Edmonds in one fell swoop it would be one of those two guys now there's a bunch of other guys and we could talk about those but it looks like you've got something we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. To say. No, I'm just good. I'm laughing because this is what I love about this thing being on YouTube now is that people see me reacting to things. Chris is just putting wildly offensive jokes on the. Nobody like, the, saw anything. EJ was on camera. The 60 inch TV. See your no, no, that's my point. It's hilarious. <laughs> 60 inch TV, and now he's reacting to it, and it's just. The, the, this is why this is fun. This oh, is why I'm so glad good. we got into video because it's like I'm over here just laughing, and now people are like, what? What What is he laughing about? Why doesn't he like Jack Campbell? Why is he he Uh, laughing at Jack? No, I'm not laughing at Jack Campbell. Other than I want an opinion from you. You study linebackers. You like them. People have brought up the idea of like, well, his arms are short. And if his arms are short, then blockers. But he's also six and he's high. He's high waisted, which means that you're going to have not even high waisted, but you're just a big guy. Which means it's harder to get leverage when a six foot two, 
six foot three guard comes at you with a lower center of gravity and you don't have longer arms to get in on him. What's his hand fight look like? Because I can just see a world where if that's his makeup, he might have a difficult time against NFL caliber offensive linemen. Uh, think about who he went against in practice. Every that's day. true though. Shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Three fifths of the Iowa offensive line gets drafted at least every other year. Well, and isn't that and, the beauty of certain conferences? It's like I was talking yeah, about earlier. Sure. There are certain things you glean from where did this player play, and that's almost just as important as what is their physical skill set. How did they test? Yeah. Well, that's important, but also who did they play? What's their experience like? This is a guy who was that productive in a defense that routinely faces teams that put offensive linemen into the NFL. And these yep. are NFL caliber, NFL coached, or NFL pro style. I th- I think it's fair to say, coached offensive line. They make up a large percentage of the league. If we're talking about Ohio State, yeah, Michigan, his own team with Iowa, Wisconsin has a ton of blockers. They have a great center this year. Like Jack Campbell went against all of those guys. Name yeah. your favorite Big Ten lineman that is now a your favorite <laughs> NFL lineman. Jack Campbell faced them multiple yeah. times. Okay. And you can go look at the tape and see how so he did So you think it's overblown. So you think at this talk about the, oh, the short arms. I think he's a very good football player. We can talk about his frame and we can talk about his athleticism. And those are both important things in a draft profile. But you know me, tape is first. How did he do? Right. And Jack Campbell has some of the most impressive tape in this interior linebacking class going forward and going backwards. The backwards part surprised me a little bit. Because he is that tall. And I thought, Iowa, that tall, uh, you know, not a pass. He's probably slow and poor-handed, right? He's not going to – he's got an interception against OSU that you will – you'll drop your drink. Now I'm going to go watch that later. You should. And but I'm, don't have a drink in your hand. <laughs> well, no, what I'll do is I'll wake up my wife and show it to her at like 10.30 oh, do apologize to your <laughs> wife for me. And I'm going to tell her, EJ told me to do fault. this. Yeah, it's not my <laughs> fault. Oh man, so, that's funny. So two so, part two part question here now. Yeah. First of all, odds that those guys are available at twenty seven, you seem to be pretty confident that the back half of the first round they'll be there. One of them will be there for sure. Sure. The Bills are a team with a lot of other needs, right? Like Correct. at places where the draft is very strong this year. Uh, we have a notable uh-huh. lack of depth at all. If Dawson Knox got hurt, we have no one with any starting experience. Uh, we obviously, it's been talked about the need for wide receiver talent upgrades there. Although this class seems to be trending towards day two, day three being where the real value is. Also, the trenches on both sides of the ball. I right, Spencer Brown, our right tackle Spencer Brown needs competition. We have zero defensive tackles under contract for next year. And that's my choice because the team could have opened cap space for itself this year by signing Daquan Jones, who has been a breath of fresh air as the first true one-tech D-tackle in Sean McDermott's career here in Buffalo who actually did the job and did it well. They could have extended him. They chose to slow play that decision, and I think a lot of that hinges on what happens here this this year in the draft. If they can find a younger guy to fill that role, they will. But So they have these needs, right? And then you look at 
the fact that they do have last year's third rounder in Terrell Bernard, who got one uh-huh. start. If they decide to address those needs day one, day two, and then they turn around and say, okay, day three, now uh-huh. we're looking at linebacker because we realize that we can't play dime all the time. <laughs> and that even in nickel, like this is a shaky thing to trust Bernard or trust rap or trust whatever. And we're not going to try to slow. We need somebody to start grooming to eventually take this role. What do you think for four, three off ball, you know, even front middle linebacker prospects, what do you think's out there for us? Well, we're not going to skip all the way to day three because there's a very important player on day two that we have to talk about just because of Buffalo. Okay. Buffalo's history with Edmonds, right? They took an incredibly raw athletic linebacker out of Virginia Tech in Edmonds, Mm -hmm. and they were comfortable doing that. They thought, we have the system. We have the coaches. That is their – We have the – It's their ethos. Environment. Look at Josh Allen. They said, give me raw blocks. 100%. Dawson Knox. So – to a lesser extent, for sure. But Allen and Edmonds, uh, you know, one on the offense, one on the defense. There's there's both sides of the coin that says we're as good as anybody in the NFL at doing this. And there's a guy that I think fits that mold on defense at the position of need, and that's Demarvian Overshone from Texas. Like he is, if you just want to do the whole thing all over again. He's the guy, 6'2", 229, extremely long arms, barely has scratched the surface of what he could do at Texas. One of my good friends, actually, that came with me to the game, you met him, Frank, lives about three miles north of Austin and is a longtime Horns watcher. And when I reached out to him about Overshone and said, man, I, I don't know, I like him. I think he shows flashes. What do you think? And he said, just getting started, like hasn't even, he's got lots more in the tank that he didn't use and he's figuring it out. And when he figures it out, just the same as Edmonds tape, when it all hits, you go, holy shit. Like, well, you go, wow. So this is a question Hold on. I've had. I, I hate that you brought up that player because I have on the monitor that's attached to the wall Drew's notes for tonight's show, and this man is listed as... Player, oh, players are you saying that, that I backed up Drew, and now you've got to just yeah. I'm. Oh, I don't publicly acknowledge that. How, yeah, I don't. I don't like it. How sweet. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Chris. You should have told me. By you. Oh God. <laughs> really, you know I'm crazy. Anyways, one. no. He so that he's well, going to be on that day two in that day two range. I have he a question for you about be, him. Can I, can I ask you a question? Okay, about him? go for it. It's been of course. in the back of my head. I've been watch. I watched his games. Because mm-hmm. I watched Texas this year, sure. Um, he lo- you you saw him. He showed up games. Yeah. You were like, "Oh man, that's a linebacker." Then you find out, like I did, that he's a converted safety, and I go, "Holy shit, yeah. that's a giant safety." Who was gonna yes. try? Wait, what? You don't play safety at six three unless you're what a uh, hooker, yeah. and hooker was huge in college for playing safety. They moved him to linebacker. 4-5-40 time is impressive for a linebacker. A lot of his RAS scores, they're impressive. Bad shuttle times, which I feel like is weird if you're a DB moving to linebacker. Is he stiff 
like the metrics say he might be, or because I, I watched him play, he's not, he doesn't play he's, stiff. He doesn't play stiff. So, so is it a yeah. processing thing, or do you think it was just bad workouts? I there's always a question with workouts. I I I'll tell you the story. Um, there's a player that uh, we got to see up close at Shrine Bowl, and I thought, you know, this is an interesting guy, day three guy, most likely. I think he's got a role. Um, I happened to run into an agent who I met there last year, and I was like, oh, you know, hey, you're back. Who who do you have this year? And she listed off uh, her clients, and he was one. And I was like, oh, really? I'm really kind of interested by him. Like, I saw him last year when I was at UCLA. He's obviously, you know, grown. Like, his his role grew. Like, you know, what can you tell me? And, of course, get the agent spin about that. Anyways, I get a question from another analyst like two weeks ago, and they're like, man, this guy ran a crap 40, like basically like a five flat 40. What's the deal? And I was like, well, A, if you watch tape, he's not a five flat guy. <laughs> right? He's he's a, he's a you know, maybe high four six guy, maybe low four seven guy on a bad day, but like I, I think he's probably mid four sixes somewhere in there. And look, he did what he did at his speed. You've seen what he has done against – other defenders that are going to get drafted. Let me look into it. So I DM'd his agent and I said, Hey, I just looked at the 40 times for the UCLA pro day guy didn't run so well. Like what was the deal? And she said it was monsooning all day. They ran outside. I've been on that practice field and, and Southern California this spring has had a ton of rain and said, basically it was raining all morning and they had to run outside. And I was like, Oh, well that makes perfect sense. So I told the other analyst, Hey, like, you know, so testing numbers, they are what they are. It is a snapshot of a day. Sometimes guys will have their own personal pro days if they're coming back from injury or there's, they slipped or whatever else. And the other thing is they're subjective. I went to a couple of pro days this year. I went to Oregon State and I went to Washington's pro day this year. It was my first time at pro days when they were happening. And pro days are a really fascinating thing overall. Um, they're run by scouts. They're not run by the school. And they're run by different scouts from different teams who set up the drills and ask the other scouts, what do you want to see? And they'll basically nominate kind of a senior scout to go out and run the drills, the workouts, the timing. And that goes for everything, including the sprints. And then they don't give out times, which was the weirdest thing to me. I figured there'd be like a track board, right? And it'd be like, oh, four, four. No, it did. The guy just runs and you're like, shit, I didn't have my phone out. Like, what, what was that? And everybody's like, uh, and <laughs> I asked, I asked the sports information director at one of the schools. I said, so are you going to be like, I don't know, giving out a sheet and this, this, you'll love this. Both of you probably. It's a fascinating insight to how, what pro days really are. He said, and I quote, no, they don't give them to us. Wait. And isn't I was that, like, isn't that the guy? Huh? And I was like, wait, what? And then I realized, oh, this isn't what you think it is. This is the, this is the true confluence between the NFL and the school. And the school is paying for this, hosting this, whatever. And he literally said, they don't give them to us. And I'm like, they're your players. And then I realized, no, they're not your players anymore. Not anymore. They're the league's players. Damn. Right. And I was like, huh, isn't that fascinating? Now it's not the same at every school. Sometimes they, uh, you know, U of O, uh, oh. University of Oregon had a full printout that they gave to all the journalists. Like it's different at every place, but they, oh, they literally shit. don't tell you how fast a guy ran. 
So you can record it, right? You can put up a video, you can go home with your own stopwatch and, and give your best guess or whatever. But there's famously better times of pro days than there are at the combine. And so it all really comes back to how did this guy run in pads on film against other players? Does who he look bit- fast? Did he play fast? Did he hit a hole? Did Basically, he- I know. Our- I think when I look at Overshown at Texas, he's plenty fast, right? And he's plenty fluid. He is not stiff-hipped. He has a lot of ability to change direction. It might be a little less quick than some of his shorter counterparts just because he has longer levers, right? Again, his limbs are longer. It takes a while to turn them, but it doesn't take long. Like, he makes some plays on film against high-level athletes that are staggering. Well, be careful because that's what got Edmonds in trouble here. Everyone goes, well, he doesn't trigger against the run fast enough. Uh. He's 6'5". I'm sorry. He's six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds. Yes, Matt Milano is faster to diagnose and come downhill at six foot two, two hundred and thirty. Like generously six foot two. Yeah, a generous six two at two thirty. Yes, he moves quicker. That's like saying, Hey, the the shooting guard on this NBA team is quicker than the center. True. Shocking. Let's yeah, shocker. So one of the great things about Overshown is that length because length is deadly in pass defense. And you talked at the top about how important pass defense is for modern NFL linebackers. Even if you are a step slow, if you are that tall and have arms that long, your you know we think of it with catch radius with wide receivers. This is your defense radius as yeah. a pass defender. It's like a hand grenade. Just there's grows. an there's an area of effect. <laughs> like that's that's it's right. Like hand grenade. Area of effect for a guy like Demarion Overshone, who's already pretty tall but has really long arms, is bigger. He doesn't have to be in the hip pocket of X. He could be a half a step away, still deflect that ball because he's got the experience and safety like you talked about, and he has these very long arms, and he's he's fast. Like, let's not mince words. Yes. For a guy that weighs, you know, 230 pounds, 229 pounds, he's quick. Yes. So then who else do you prognosticate might be a fit for the Buffalo Bills? Like, just in terms of those, like, mm-hmm. hey, I don't have to spend a premium on you. I could get you day two there might be a day three guy or two who might fill a gap here that maybe, maybe not this year, maybe this year you Uh have to, you have to take some pain. It's going to be an acclimation process the same way uh, James Cook was at running back last year. And then down Uh the stretch, you go, holy shit, that kid, if I can get the ball in his hands, he can actually make some plays can do a, is like the similar trajectory at linebacker. Who are some day three guys you like? Yeah. And when you get into day three, there's a reason they're at day three, so you sure. have to give something up. Yep. Right? It You're giving up either a, a you know playmaking sense, like you got to work on their, their diagnosis of plays and their reaction to it, or you're giving up some size, or you're giving up some speed. There's something there that you're not getting, or else that player would be on day two or day one. And there are a couple of guys. First thing I'm going to do is a little bit strange. I'm going to talk about a guy that a lot of your listeners are probably going to go, but what about, and I want to address that, Trenton Simpson from Clemson. Now, 6'2", 235, tremendous athlete. I think his RAS is like 9.84. Relative athletic score is like 9.84. 
crazy athlete. You look at the film, and I would say it is lesser than Edmonds' college film. And that is to say, when he makes a play, he makes a play. He doesn't make that many plays, and he disappears for long stretches, and he's used only for the most part. He was using Clemson's defense only in one way, which is very close to the line of scrimmage. And if you're looking to replace some of that pass coverage, again, that's a projection. Is it possible that he can do it and just wasn't asked to do it at Clemson? It's possible. Is he really practiced in it and really good at it? Not so much. Are you willing to? What are you willing to bet on that? Is the question. And how long are you willing to wait? <laughs> yes. So a lot of people are just going to look at Trenton Simpson, look at his numbers, look at his size, look at his athletic profile, and go, "Why didn't you talk about Trenton Simpson? It's the same thing as Edmonds." If you look at the tape, it's not the same thing as Edmonds. So I'm not going to talk about Trenton Simpson. I am going to talk about Jalen Graham from Purdue and Charlie Thomas from Georgia Tech. Now, Charlie Thomas, we got to see at the Shrine Bowl. Jalen Graham's a guy I found on tape. Uh, 6'1", 220 for Jalen Graham. I like his game a lot. And when I looked up his pass coverage numbers, I thought, eh, that checks out. Like, he plays well away from the line of scrimmage and against the pass. He's not the biggest guy, but he's very instinctive. He is athletic, doesn't have a ton of size, um, but he's got a bunch of production. He's got experience in that role that Buffalo used Edmonds in. So in that way, he's coming in with a head start. He's going to have to do some growing physically, and he's going to have to do some maturing just like every college football player is. So, again, is he going to make a huge impact this year? No. Are there a lot of things on tape that make me think, that could be a decent NFL player? Yeah, there are. Charlie Thomas, Georgia Tech, massive athlete, 6'2", 216, and, and that's not a big guy physically, but when you see him athletically – you it, it pops like it pops in person it pops on the screen when he makes plays you're like ooh, look at that <laughs> he got there in a hurry and he likes to hit um not necessarily as skilled in the passing game but makes plays against the pass because again at that size he can really run he's basically just a sort of puffed up safety um but loves impact um when he diagnoses plays correctly it shows up doesn't always do that can get caught up in the trash versus the run. Again, you're going to have to give up on some things well, to be able to have that's the highlight plays. That's right. So those two guys are names that I would keep an eye on. Nobody's going to be banging down their door you know, uh, early on day two, even probably late day two. They're going to survive the day three. They're going to be available in probably round four. And if you want to stockpile a couple of guys because you're not sure they're all going to hit, and you want to throw, say, those two guys in the mix with Terrell Bernard and say, okay, now best man wins, go for it. Chris, I go to you. You've been here listening to me and EJ talk about this stuff for probably about an hour now. How angry will you be? You've sat here, me, Ty Dunn, yourself, we've sat here and done podcasts where we talked about the need for this team to get some cheap dynamic offensive help and to backfill the offense with players who will be here provide provide dividends both the short term and long term and yet here you are going man if we could just add a defensive end a defensive tackle a linebacker like oh man the the the, the depth so are of you the- saying that if we use our first round pick to replace Trey Edmonds when if you look at the gap 
at that position where we lost Edmonds. To everyone else currently everyone on the else. roster. <laughs> Just look at that gap and then also look at the gap with your teeth. It's the same size. <laughs> Holy shit. Massive. And this is massive why we gaps. go to and this is why we go to Chris. So uh, my, you can't get that kind of analysis anywhere else. You just can't. So my question to you is how mad would you be as the lay fan? I'm not going to be mad if we're taking like at 27th if Campbell's Jack there. Campbell is the Bills draft pick cuz I'll tell you what EJ You've again. I've been offense or bust since the season ended. Sure. I'm sitting here now, having talked to Brett, having talked mm-hmm. to Matt Waldman, having yeah. ta- having talked to a number of people about NFL draft topics. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to get the feeling that if you're if you're gonna come out of this draft. Not with what makes you feel good as a fan who comes in with a preconceived notion of need, but as I want my football team to be stocked with great players for as long as possible who don't cost a fortune. This is where we do it on the defensive side of the ball. Linebacker at 27 doesn't upset me as much as it used to. Like, sweet. Like no no no, and and you're to blame for that. I, yeah, I should say thank I understand or blame. that. What I'll say is, Chris, when it happens, will you be mad? If no, Jack I'm not. Campbell's the pick. I'm not going to be mad, and it's 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 because of the 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 guy from Texas that EJ brought up without having your notes, and you already had him written down on your notes. EJ didn't know that, and it makes you look good as a host, and if, I don't like that. But if they draft Overshone. Holy shit. Will oh, be- look out, Chris. If that happens, you're done. No, EJ, you have no idea. It happens all the time between free Oh, no, I, I do get it. Like, <laughs> I have been there. I do get it. But, you know, as a counterpoint, there are lots of good options, and it doesn't have to be linebacker, right? Because everybody that's going to say, oh, you got now listens to this and say, oh, you got to drop Jack Campbell or bust, right? You don't. Because Matt Milano wasn't a first rounder. Matt Milano's a damn good NFL linebacker, right? So they, we don't all know. Maybe it's Jalen Graham. Maybe it's some other guy that I didn't even list, right? Very, very possible. And I will also say if Buffalo gets there, they get to 27 and Jack Campbell's on the board and everybody that listened to this is like, take hey, Jack Campbell. And Dalton Kincaid is also on the board. <laughs> Take Dalton Kincaid. Over Darnell Washington? Well, what do you want, right? You Everybody in Buffalo has been screaming for wide receiver two, right? Mm-hmm. Dalton, so Dalton Kincaid. Kinc- oh, okay, so that, Dalton that was- Kincaid becomes wide receiver two. He's a tight end, but Dalton Kincaid becomes wide receiver two. So when you run 12 personnel, can he run block as tight end two? Nasty, I don't like that look. Come on, man. You guys run the ball like 12 times a game. Don't And that's, and that exactly right there is why I go, Darnell Washington, it's like for as much as that, like in my, in my own idea of what. Oh, it's lovely to have six offensive linemen. That's a great thing. Yes. At the same time, I'd love to have just 
a couple tight ends who can do a lot of things. And then if I do go 12, you have to decide, should I condense the box or should I stay in nickel and just trust that they might hit me with the thing that they might? And then both. Well, and depending on their nickel, if you've got Knox and Kincaid, they're taller than any of the nickels for the most part they're going to be facing. You're probably still going to get a decent matchup. And that's my point. That's, you know, all of these things have to be weighed in the moment, in the situation. It's why the draft is fascinating. It's why it's dynamic. It's why it's difficult. It's why it's an imperfect science. But if you get there and Jack Campbell is there and Dalton Kincaid is there, you take Dalton Kincaid (laughs) and you go get a middle linebacker somewhere else because they're available, right? Now, we've talked a lot about Matt Milano, glowing praise. And we've said, look, Matt Milano is a great NFL football player, and he is, and he fits hand in glove with Buffalo's system. However, Matt Milano goes down right now, listed behind him on the depth chart, is Terrell Bernard. Bernard. And nobody else. (laughs) So, Buffalo could also, later in the draft, for an inexpensive fee, (laughs) go after a middle linebacker to help back up that depth and ensure that a they sort of have a succession plan, but also they have an you know, in case of emergency break glass plan behind Milano if he you know God forbid rolls an ankle. And there are guys like that in this class too. I, you've made me feel a lot better about this. I still feel like now I'm all like this, Chris. After every one of these shows, I go oh because I am for as much as I'm like oh I understand X's and O's. I don't watch as much, maybe it's kids. I don't have as much college football watching as I used to. So now I'm stuck listening to draft pundits talk about who they think and what they think. And every one of these shows we do, I walk away from going, you know, that guy made a lot of good points. We should probably do that first. I like the fact that you're willing, you're the first one who's willing to admit this position probably doesn't have to be first. No. And you'll be okay if you don't. Just one question. Isn't Balin Spector ridiculous as an NFL starter at any point? <laughs> it depends, right? So oh, he's here's trying to be thing. political. No, no, I'm not. I've actually talked to this guy. Because you'd... Th- guys, so this is what I love about their coverage. He's talked to Balin Spector. He interviewed him. Shrine Bowl invites... EJ, why don't you That's detail right. how you got to talk to Balen Spector and lead into the coverage you do for the NFL and plug all of the various ways you do so. Yeah, so the reason we got to talk to Balen Spector is that uh, for the last two years, we've gotten invites to the Shrine Bowl. It's been down in Las Vegas. Balen Spector was an invite, not this year, but last year, obviously, before he was drafted. Um, he was just coming off an injury. He famously played the last half of his career at Clemson with a big old club on his hand uh, as a linebacker. He's a pretty effective guy, had a lot of starts in the ACC. He was experienced. I understand why people like him. And we got to talk to him. Um, we weren't quite sure who to talk to in his group, and we were like, hey, Clemson, <laughs> that'll play. Like, let's talk to him. And, you know, interesting guy. We knew he was coming off injury. Uh, he was out of the cast by the time he made the Shrine Bowl. And so we got to sit down and interview him. And fascinating player. Uh, Brett set him on his heels a little bit because he had Brent Venable's playbook. And, <laughs> and Balin wasn't aware that that was out. 
He got a little bit defensive about that. He's like, where'd you get it? <laughs> uh, but once he realized that Brett was in his defense and could talk to him on the same level with the same language, he started to open up about why certain things happen. And players are really interesting in terms of sometimes you say, hey, this went well, and they say, great. And you say, this didn't go so well. And they, they say, well, that's because, right? Or they go, oh, no, they got us, right? <laughs> they, they flat out got us. Uh, there was a little bit of mix there with Balin, but we got a better feel of who he was as a player and why he made those decisions. And, you know, came away thinking, hey, this is a guy that I think probably could occupy, this is again us projecting before he was drafted, the role he currently occupies for Buffalo, which is he's going to be a special teamer. He's going to be a backup that's, you know, again, in case of emergency, break glass, insert, bail inspector. Um, you know, for as a long time, like entrenched NFL starter, I would say I think so, but I'm always going to leave the door open and say he could surprise us, right? I, there have been plenty of people in the NFL, lots and lots of players who I have said either I don't think they're ever going to be a full-time starter and they've gone on to that status, or I think this guy's an NFL starter and they don't get their chance, they don't get the chance, and then they finally get their chance, and hey, look at that, they were in the right situation. Like, I was a big Dre Greenlaw backer. Yes. Dre Greenlaw. Like, I love Dre Greenlaw coming out, and there weren't very many people that did, and I said, I... I really like his game. Again, I wasn't advocating that he should go replace any incumbent NFL starters, but I was like, this is a guy where you're going to get him. You want to add to your football team. He's going to be a value. He's going to give you everything. He's really smart. He's got a ton of snaps under his belt in a big conference. He ends up going to the 49ers, perfect situation, and thrives, like has exceeded even what I thought he was capable of. So I've been on both sides of that debate, so I'm never going to say this guy is never going to be an NFL starter. I'll say I don't think he's got it in him, but I would still like that player to surprise me because I want to see all these players play as well as they possibly can. Well, I've almost talked to Balen Spector's girlfriend because his <laughs> girlfriend and I have the same hairstylist. That is a no fact. No kidding. I love how these are the connections. I love these are the connections. This is the six degrees of Kevin Bacon that we have here. EJ, that's the type of stuff I love about what you do, how you do it. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find your work, both covering our now former linebacker, Tremaine Edmonds, and also the stuff you guys have coming up on bootleg. Yeah, so first and foremost, bootleg football, go to YouTube, type in bootleg football, or anywhere you get your podcast, type it in. Uh, we'll pop right up for you. Cover the league year-round, heavy emphasis on draft coverage. But also, all summer long, we do divisional preview episodes, a full episode for every team, and a divisional wrap-up at the end of the week. Uh, that will be coming back this year. We're really excited about that. Uh, we will be in Kansas City for the draft. We'll be doing our draft live stream all three days, every pick, as we've done for the last now three years. This will be the fourth year running, which is crazy. Uh, but it's our first year being on site wherever the NFL draft is. So we're looking forward to that. Going to have some events around that. Uh, and then Bears Over Beers is sort of sporadic in the offseason, uh, but we do cover the Chicago Bears during the season. Uh, we have a couple of offseason episodes, and I will be popping into – Windy City Gridiron's draft coverage, mostly on Saturday to kind of recap some of their picks. Um, so that's most of it, but just mostly follow me on Twitter, at FootballEJ, 
all those things will be listed there, and you can sort of keep up that way. I can cut this if you'd like, but if you are in Kansas City and you want to be present at a bootleg event, you guys are recording at Holiday Distilling, where I have seen last summer going out to visit my brother, who lives in Lawrence, Kansas, going out to the Holiday Distilling and walking into their bar area to see a giant glowing Kansas City Sports Network sign in their bar area. So, I mean, if you're going to the draft... That was one of the most sort of (laughs) what-in-the-world-is-happening moments when you texted me that picture and you're like, don't you know these guys? And I'm like, what the hell are you doing in Kansas City? Buffalo. You're not uh, supposed but, to be here. You know, they don't let you people outside the like much like Charlie from Always Sunny, they don't let us outside the borders of the city. I know. They 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 should though, because honestly, if we were ever gonna have a sort of um trifecta meeting of the minds like Rockpile, KCSN, and Bootleg, I'm pretty sure we would break the bounds of reality with that. But we are gonna be at Holiday Distilling on Sunday after the draft. With the KCSN guys, they're going to record their wrap-up podcast. We're going to record ours. And then apparently they have scheduled a party to which you can buy tickets. So uh, this started out because we're good friends with the KCSN guys. We see them at Shrine Bowl every year, and, and we we met them at the Senior Bowl three years ago uh, before KCSN even started. And uh, I had talked with BJ Kissel, the founder, and... He had said, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to go up on Sunday, and there's plenty of space. You could record yours there as well. And I said, great, just just put us on put us on that ticket. We'll, we'll tag along. We'll be happy to do so. <laughs> and I checked in with him last week and was like, we're still good for that, right? And he's like, um, yeah, it, uh, it might be a party now. <laughs> and it came out on their schedule that <laughs> they're inviting folks and selling tickets. And um, BJ famously brought us two bottles. I know you guys our bourbon aficionados brought us two bottles of holiday bottled in bond to the shrine bowl. He had threatened to do so the next time he saw us. We didn't think he would do it traveling. We thought he would do it when we went to Kansas city. Uh, good to his word, BJ, fantastic guy. And I will vouch the holiday bottled in bond is delicious. It is exactly fantastic. That's why it's on my shelf right now. It is fantastic stuff, and uh, Chris, you know me. I don't drink a lot of liquor. I, I, you know, a finger and a half, two fingers over ice, and I am, I am good for liquor. I'll drink a little bit more beer, but like, we got those bottles. Uh, all the interviews you see from the Shrine Bowl, uh, the second half of them were shot literally in a sort of closed bar in in Luxor. That's the booth setup you see in some of those interviews, and he gave us those bottles on that day. Uh, we went behind the bar and got plastic cups uh, for everybody. There's a lot of journalists there. And, uh, yeah, we poured shots for our friends. But literally two-thirds of one of those bottles was gone that night. I like it. Drew, wrap it, it up. because Fantastic stuff. Drew, wrap it up because I'm, I'm going to – I already let Brett in on a secret location. I'm going to let EJ know about it. So just wrap it up so I can tell him off camera. All right. Guys. All right. Guys, you gotta, Chris, this is where we make the Patreon joke. Like, if you want to hear about this, you gotta subscribe to the Patreon. We're never doing a Patreon. It's fucking dumb. Guys, go support EJ and the guys over at Bootleg Football. 
I just, I love this shit. I love getting to do this every year. I love getting to drink beer and talk about football with people who are much smarter than me. But for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. That's EJ Snyder. And this has been your Rock Pile Report. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.